Hello and welcome to Stratcom Talks. I'm your host, Jafar Hasman. Today, we will be talking about lessons learned from the coronavirus pandemic and what does future hold for infectious diseases. And to discuss it today, joining me from Rhode Island, Providence, is Dr. Najam Zaidi. He is an infectious diseases expert. Thank you very much, Dr. Zaidi, for joining us today on this podcast. Thank you for having me. So uh, to start off, what are your reflections on this uh, pandemic? It's been more than one year now. What do you think are the lessons that uh, humanity can learn from this pandemic? There are some sad lessons to learn here. I feel that the pandemic, we could have handled a lot better had we had stuck to science and not politicized it. Um, We knew very early And even before this current epidemic, that in 2001, uh, you know, when the original SARS, uh, that with the the original SARS and 2010-11 with the the Middle Eastern uh, respiratory virus, that there were easy ways to avoid the spread, which was by masking, washing hands, keeping your distance. And we had a phenomenal appearance of a vaccine within a year of of the epidemic uh, starting, which was a very effective vaccine. Sadly, vaccine inequity, politics, has perpetuated this epidemic into something that we are still struggling with. And I feel that we could have handled, as humanity, we could have handled this better. I wish it was all to do with science and infectious disease, pushing a button and killing something. It's to do with human nature and, and politics. Okay, I just want to pick up, on, pick up on one thing that you mentioned about politics. Uh, now, are you saying that uh, this pandemic uh, would have ended by now had we distributed vaccines equally across the world? I wish that was the only solution, but if I, I do believe that if the, there had been uh, less vac- uh, more vaccine equity and they were distributed and everybody had the vaccine as soon as it was available to the more the richer countries, uh, yeah. There, there would have been a significant dent in the epidemic. I do believe that uh, that would have happened. But I also believe that was probably the one to, you know, knock hard punch with why where we're still having an issue, apart from the fact that the vaccine wasn't distributed properly. And I think that politics plays into it. Once it was distributed, the people who had it, like, come on, the most vaccine-rich countries right now are struggling with the highest numbers of um, the infant. That just tells you how powerful the obstruction has been in the propagation of the virus, mainly by bad ideas and this vaccine misinformation, which with uh, our social platforms like Facebook has made the epidemic of um, doubt, the epidemic of misinformation, countering uh, everything else. And then that feeds into, by the way, vaccine Mm -hmm. as well. You can use politics to say, why should we give this vaccine to somebody else? Why should we use it ourselves? So this selfishness, this everything else, so it's been thing, things like that. We consider ourselves human beings and say, gee, this makes us great. No, this does not make us great. It makes us vulnerable. And we are suffering because of this. Right. Now, <laughs> certainly we all are witnessing the consequences of not distributing vaccines equally among uh, different nations of the world. Dr. Zaidi, before I focus, you mentioned uh, some bad ideas. I do want to focus uh, on that. But before I do that, let me ask you, where do we stand currently in this pandemic? Because see, some of the richest uh, countries across the world, countries uh, which have uh, one of the highest vaccination rates, 
are suffering from a surge in COVID-19 numbers. So where exactly do we stand in terms of our fight against the pandemic? Say I pushed a button and everybody had the vaccine in their hands. Do you think people will take the vaccine? I don't think so. I think that, yes, this is one of the things that is happening is vaccine inequity. The richer nations are not providing the vaccine to all the countries. There are countries that have people waiting in to take the vaccine, but they're not getting the vaccine. So the supply is an issue. But the demand part or the vaccine administration is an issue as well. You're saying, oh, the fastest vaccination rates or revaccination rates. Yeah, yeah, you can keep the vaccination rate going. But if they're like, you know, I could take the second, third, fourth shot now in Israel. But if you have resistance to the vaccine, there was a significant portion of the population that is not getting vaccinated then it's um, an example of where the virus will propagate. In the United States, there are vaccine-denying people. Politics. The ex-president was on recently interviewing saying that he'd got the booster, and he was booed by his own followers, now anti-vaxxers. Dr. Zaidi, tell us understand, do you think anti-vaxxers pose a challenge in terms of our fight against the coronavirus pandemic? A significant obstacle. As long as there are going to be pockets of resistance to the vaccine, there is going to be a population of people that are able to magnify the wild type, whatever strain is going around, and make more mutations. And unless there is a mandate, unless everybody's vaccinated, like they used to be for all the things like polio and measles. and If I may jump in here, as a doctor, I want to get your opinion as a doctor. Do you support vaccine mandates? Should it be compulsory for everyone? Yes, 100%. Okay. Okay, that's good to know. And, and, but again, there's politics uh, to play here, right? Because uh, what we have seen over the past two years, there are cer- certain segments of the society uh, which uh, are okay with taking a vaccine, but then there are segments uh, which are totally not okay. And uh, we can talk about the left and the right here, but uh, this would take the discussion somewhere else. There have been people that have piled up, and it hasn't helped that there's a lot of inf- misinformation to, uh, around as well. So that's the triumvirate of like, you know, ignorance, politics, and lack of uh, equity, all of these things. It's a, it's a triad, which is basically driving us down. Correct. Now, yeah. Dr. Zaidi, you mentioned the term uh, bad ideas in one of your uh, earlier responses. What were those bad ideas uh, which brought us to this fate? So the bad ideas that brought us around, one of the major ones was that the vaccine itself is going to cause mortality or morbidity, or, you know, it'll make people sick and kill them. And that's just not true. Now, individually, there is a lot of people who've had, like, you know, a sore arm, or they haven't taken enough fluids and they've become dehydrated. There have been vaccine reactions as well, like with any vaccine. But to magnify that to an extent that people are becoming fearful of taking the vaccine, or making it something about, say, religion or anything else that makes it even more emotional, has led to this current state of people, you know, defiantly denying vaccines or taking vaccines. That's one. The second thing is, if you produce an element of doubt and you magnify it in social media, if for $10, I believe that I can have a bad idea, I can put it on, say, a platform like Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, and millions can see that, that has been one of the main reasons why for a few pennies, a few dollars of, you know, of currency, People have propagated wild ideas. I think that there should be enough management of these platforms by responsible people, including the owners, of not propagating bad ideas, but they're doing it. So take that, which is in current times, 
an epidemic state. Yeah, I think this wasn't present 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And the countries that have gone around that, like uh, Portugal, for instance, took a militaristic approach to vaccination. Everybody gets vaccinated and they're, they're doing pretty good. Before we move forward, yeah. next part of our discussion, just summarize it for our listeners in simple sentences. What are the lessons learned from this pandemic? Number one, um, lessons. Politics cannot take place in against science. I, that's just a sentence, and I don't know whether that, that will become an idea, but, but the fact of the matter is that we have to take steps in the future that this does not happen again. And one of the ways to do it is to make science more powerful than politics. Maybe it has to do with make people popularizing science and then using it in an attractive manner on plat- these platforms to, so that everybody's well-informed. And that's more idealistic than anything else, but that's one. The second is that there should be equity. Equity is it should be for all humanity. Like, for instance, uh, United States with a surplus of vaccines and people who are vaccine deniers not taking it, wouldn't it be better if they take that vaccine and ship it to, say, South Africa, where the Omicron variant emerged? And they, if those people had been vaccinated and they were willing to take the vaccine, just give them the vaccine. It should be where people want the vaccine. It should, be, should have been shipped there rather than hoarded in one place or the other. I'm not saying U.S. hoarded it, but had there been more vaccine in South Africa, this would not have happened. So equity is important. And the third thing is that we have to probably shut down ignorance. And to shut down ignorance, that's tougher. But I believe that this could be done by regulation of the social platforms. And, you know, that hampers free speech is ideal, but not when it comes to idiots taking it over and promoting false narrative. Right. Now, Dr. Zaidi, let's move on to the next part of of our discussion. Let's talk some science. Now, certainly this is not the first nor the last pandemic. There are going to be pandemics in the future. Yes. What can we do from a scientific point of view, from a doctor's point of view, to avoid these pandemics from emerging again? So I believe that there should be free flow of data from scientists. Uh, There should be platforms that anonymize it. So the whistleblowing um, can be done for scientists. There were a lot of early alarms from China that were muted you know, the epidemic first spread in Wuhan and elsewhere, that if, had they uh, been more vocal and people had heard and not getting muted, everybody would have known about it. Uh, data should be shared um, on platforms so that people can come up with the, the genome of uh, a specific pathogen, virus, bacteria, whatever, uh, to be able to share it. There should really not be copyright or proprietary stuff. And I believe governments should pump money into research, government-based, to, for the promotion of medicines and vaccines. And the big pharma who are making huge profits with our current powder vaccines, you know, I, and I don't blame them for trying to make up. That's how they are. But I do believe that government should be into making the vaccines again. And that would help. Okay. Now, another key question here. I remember back in uh, December of uh, 2019 and January of 2020, there was a debate taking place among uh, many intellectuals, especially in the community of science, how from where did this virus came from? Did it come from bats? Who is to blame? Are wet markets to blame? Should we stop slaughtering uh, exotic wild animals? So number one, where did this virus come from? Look, I don't think it matters anymore, but I don't, do not believe in conspiracy theories that it came from experimentation or escape. Right. And, or, and, you know, maybe it did. Who knows? But, but here's the thing. Um, if we rape the environment, we will bear the consequences. I do believe conservation of the environment, conservation of rainforests, conservation of antibiotics that we're using and everything else um, would, would be helpful. To have more control over deforestation is extremely important. I do believe that as we try to 
as we are losing our precious resources, more and more of these epidemics are going to emerge. I do believe that if we don't fix this expansion for destruction, uh, human population control is going to happen by, um, by disease and, and disasters and climate change. And I do think that to stop all of these things, we should look towards the environment and trying to preserve forests, uh, the genetic variety that we have, which we're losing by basically destroying the planet. Okay, now, Dr. Zaini, before I let you go, I, ha- I had mentioned this in the intro to this uh, podcast. What does future hold for infectious diseases? I hope that we are not doing a death spiral right now with um, just like tornadoes and climate change. We're just seeing the consequences of um, what we've done rapidly escalate with the almost uh, more frequent um, epidemics. I hope that's not what's happening. I, th- I think we should uh, look to this as a lesson and correct this so that this doesn't happen again. You talked about wet markets and everything else. Yeah, do they do uh, the original SARS epidemic and uh, the current one uh, had did emerge from there. So therefore, we shouldn't have, shouldn't we have stopped those wet markets? Shouldn't we have stopped the um, you know the trade of wildlife? I think that those things need to be in place definitely. And I do believe that uh, if we don't put a stop to all of these destructive urges, um, climate change and everything else, uh, we are going to be in big trouble in the next ten years, and it's going to accelerate. Uh, accelerate. I do believe that everybody said, oh, well, you know, the global warming would not have an effect till the next generation. I think it's having an effect right now. And who knows, it might have more um, uh, serious consequences within the next 10 years in which it would be an irreversible and we'll, we sort of destroy ourselves. But I do believe that there is time for correction now and it can happen. And I do believe that it might happen by control of our destructive impulses, among others. Okay, now another key question, and I believe this is something which is on everyone's mind uh, these days. I know it might be a bit difficult for you to answer this because nobody knows the answer to this, but since uh, you have treated many COVID-19 patients over the past uh, one and a half year, uh, tell me, when will this pandemic end? Um, When everybody gets vaccinated. Right now, I'm treating a lot of surge of patients that have COVID. Most of them did not take the vaccine. When I'm giving them therapies that are not as good as the vaccine uh, and they have the disease, there are still people who are denying that is COVID that is killing them or their family members. They still don't want to get vaccinated after they recover. And it's just bizarre how misinformed and entrenched they are in their ideas. And unless we have mandates and more strict you know, distribution, you know, equities and everything else, I think this is going to continue to happen. I don't think we can, we're going to fix this epidemic now. Not, it's not going to end. If, if these unvaccinated people go around and um, they're going to they're gonna breed the next variant. So I do believe that the only thing that's going to end it in the United States and elsewhere is going to be a, vac- uh, a vaccine mandate. Number one, I don't think any of these new pills that are coming out that prevent people from getting sick, sicker once they get the virus are going to help because a pill never helps because it's after the fact. It's the vaccine that helps eliminate a disease. So I do feel that the pandemic might go on a while or we might stifle it a little bit only to emerge a year later with something much worse. So. I, be, I believe vaccination is the way to end it. All right. So vaccination, that's yeah. the key word. And I hope whoever is listening to uh, this uh, passes on this message to uh, his or her friends. Thank you very much, Dr. Zaidi, for joining us today on this podcast. As always, I really appreciate your analysis. And thanks to our audience for tuning in. Cool. Thank you.